Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits from the Recycle Garage in Santa Cruz, California. I am Bagel, coming to you from my expansive shop in Vinita, Oregon. So, tonight on the podcast, we have our host, Eliza Miller. Hey there, everyone. How you doing? Pretty good. And Howard, how's everyone else? I'm doing pretty good. I don't know about y'all. Bagel, you must introduce everybody, darling. You know who there. they are. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah, now come along now. Come along. And now. then, along with the rest of us, is our illustrious Miss Emma. Hello, darling. And I'm coming to you from my spare boudoir in Marina, California. Uh-huh. Aloha. Aloha. And then from uh, also sunny Santa Cruz is Naked Jim. Hey, hey, hey. In the middle of the road, you see the darndest things. All right. And then from uh, possibly sunny Auburn, California, it's Rick. Hi, I'm Rick. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are. Man, you know, corny in here. You know what, Bagel? I realized, you know what, if we introduce ourselves as coming to you from the recycled garage, even though we are everywhere, wherever Mm -hmm. you are, you are there. Right? Wherever you are is the recycle garage. Is the recycle garage, Dude, exactly. That's heavy. But it's true. We're omnipresent. We're omnipresent. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> speaking of uh, sunny California, I went for an amazing ride yesterday. Oh, did oh, you yeah? really, darling? I did. And I pulled out the mighty KLR. And yes, I know people love to give the KLR a hard time, but uh, yesterday it was the bike of choice for me for a couple reasons. One, I was going to be doing slab and dirt. And two, my riding companion, uh, our friend John, was also riding a KLR. And really the best bike to ride is the one that most closely matches your riding companions. Right? Um, But we went down the coast, Highway One. You know, we, you know, every time I do that, I, we're so spoiled here. Our lunch ride is Big Sur and Highway One, which is kind of ridiculous, right? And uh, did our old favorite that I do with uh, with Jim every now and then, Coast Road, which is taking that nice dirt road around the back way in Big Sur, and then it brings you right back down Highway One. Nice little, nice little uh, escape onto dirt. All the way down to Lucia, where we had amazing fish and chips. Or Lu- is it Lucia or Lucia? Yes. <laughs> Depends yeah. on Lucia. who says it first. Yeah. And then uh, headed back up the coast and stopped in at the Vetter Ranch and, and hung out with the gang there. And, uh, and John got to ride an electric motorcycle. They had an impulse there that has the, the mm. clutch and the shifter, which confused me. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is a curious place to visit. I tell you what, never disappointed when you swing by the ranch. Exactly. So um, that was pretty cool. And just to show John some of the the Vetter relics there. It was a great ride. But again, um, that KLR, you know, I was just feeling in the groove and going over Loyalist Grade, which uh, for anyone who's ever been to Laguna Seca, if you do one of the test rides on bikes there, they take you up on Laurelist Grade, which is a nice twisty road up over the hill. And I got I got lucky in that I made it 
all the way to the summit before I caught up to a car. I think only once have I made it almost over that entire road without a car. And when you do, it's heaven. But mm-hmm. so often you get stuck behind somebody. And I, because I was feeling in the groove and I was really, tr- I've learned to trust the tires on that KLR. And I was able to really uh, just go aggressive. And you don't think of the KLR as a an aggressive bike, you know, in turns, but it can if you just kind of throttle it and lean it and and trust it. So great ride um, that I had. Um, but it made me think too about tires. And I wanted to talk about tires for a bit because I know that when I'm riding kind of aggressive, I'm always thinking about the tires on the ground and I don't always trust them, especially when you're on a bike with, uh, as I call it, knobblies, right? I'm always like, I just don't, I don't know. I just don't trust it. Or you're thinking like, are my tires old or, you know, tires are your connection to the road. They keep you on there. Um, So I wanted to get you know, give some recommendations and, and get recommendations from the misfits on tires that they like. So I just wanted to share that uh, on both my Africa Twin and my KLR, I have the Shinko 804s. And Jim, you've had them before, right? Yeah, I'm on my third set with the Africa Twin. They're big block knobbies, which means there's, uh, I think, more more surface area on the ground at any time. Right? Is that how you would explain it? Sure. He's shrugging his shoulders. Yeah. I guess you're asking me. I don't know. I know it's the big know. ass block tire. And, uh, you know, I mean, I like, like I said, it's my third set. I've looked at other things. Um, they're reasonably priced. One of the big things, you know, for me is just uh, how many miles you're going to get out of them. You know, I ran some golden tires on uh, my 250 dirt bike and I got like a thousand miles out of them right on that trip we took, Liza. Yeah. But on those big block Shinkos with the adventure bike, um, you know, still going off road a bunch, you know, I think I got 4,500 miles. So, you know, for me, a big part of it is, is what kind of, well, there's a lot of things to talk about, right? What's your budget? What kind of riding are you going to do? Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and, and it's a learning curve. Yeah. Even though for the 690 Enduro, I just got in the TKC 80s, which is another popular tire. Here's the thing I discovered. Um, getting tires right now is pretty hard. It's yet really? another thing. Getting a that, lot of things is hard right now. It's it's, yeah. it's another thing on the list. Finding mm-hmm. a pair, a set that were available or in stock. I had to go through many different sites until I could finally find some. So just a reminder to people, um, uh, you know, a lot of places don't actually keep the stock, you know, they don't keep it in stock. They just immediately order from one of the big uh, catalogs, like Parts Unlimited, Drag Specialties, that kind of stuff. But sometimes you do find some of these places that may have them in stock and actually have them in store. So it's worth checking a bunch until you find what you need. But I wanted to see from you guys what tires that you recommend and for what applications. Rick, since you're the the Harley guy. Gracious. Round ones <laughs> with air in them. Oh, for Christ's sake. Flaming eagles. <laughs> flaming eagles. Chrome tires. Why don't the they have them? aren't mandatory, but they do help. Why don't they have chrome wall tires? You're right, Jim. Can we just have right? enough money yet? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> do they have tires with flames in the tread? 
Oh, I've God. seen some things. <laughs> yeah, actually. Uh, okay, that sounds uh, kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, you still tool around on that diner, and it's very, very fast, and you ride it very fast, and you take handling yeah. pretty seriously on it, but you're stuck with that weird 19-inch front tire. So, yes. <laughs> so what tires have worked best for you? I went through the gambit of the normal Harley guy stuff where they tell you your done flops are terrible that came on your motorcycle. And I go, okay, so we'll get rid of these things. And I think my first tires I went to after that was like a Metzler 880 that was recommended to me at the time. Um, Okay. They've been around a long time. Yeah, they're across the board Mm -hmm. totally. I remember big cruisers using them and stuff. And I was like, yep, super heavy motorcycle. That makes sense. I put them on and they wore really weird and i got the commuter patch just square thing in the middle super fast and i was like you know i don't know if that's the tire for me in this bike so then i got through a rear threw away a front and went to another set and um what did i do after that i think i did the commander twos and that was a multi-compound tire that was recommended to me and that makes a bunch of sense on paper where you're like yeah man that middle part's gonna be right and you know the corner's gonna be grippy so i'm in the turns i'm gonna have some fun too and that tire was a blast, but I remember going down to Big Sur, just like you were talking, Liza, down, I don't remember where I was, but I was heading down, and I downshifted, and the rear tire slipped out really nasty, and I was like, ooh, that sucks. Yeah. This bike's way too heavy for that shit. So, after that, and wrecking it, the Pirelli Night Dragon GT, that's what I landed on. Um, hmm. With a 1916, it, it's kind of a pain in the butt. You know, your options for tires are limited and bad. So, yeah, that one kind of was one. The profile was one thing I was looking for. That was one thing I noticed on my Harley. Um, A lot of tires have this, like, tall U thing. And, like, once you start getting on the corner, you feel like you're one way or the other. You You cannot track on a certain part of your tire. It is not usable. And I don't like that. And I found that Pirelli had a much better, like, radius. And you put it wherever you want in your turn, and it just stayed there. And, you know, that's kind of an inherent problem with all high-profile tires. I mean, those of us who, who dick around with sport bikes, we kind of got it made because sure. you've got these ultra-low-profile sidewalls and this yeah. lovely shape. But when you get into the high-profile stuff, and let's face it, Harleys look good with the high-profile stuff on sure. it. But as you say, you know, the options are kind of... There, there's stuff, oh. out, you know, at, at work, at least I know working in a, at a parts counter at a V twin shop, as it were, um, we sell a shitload of Dunlop American elites. So Dunlop has the D series, which is your normal Harley mm-hmm. tires. And you got your D 407, yada, yada, so on and so forth. You'll see them on every bike you've ever seen. Um, the D series tires do appear to be made a bit different. The American elites are made in America, as they say. And we've got different compounds going on there. It's a multi-compound uh, tread as well. A lot of right. size offerings. Uh, fits all the Indian stuff, too. we got a couple funny birds in that little stable over there. But, uh, yeah, the American elites had good luck you on, know, too. I've got I've... customers, too, that just say, what's on sale? And that's the tire yeah. they buy. Right. Which is always like, that. that's another logic, too, I guess, as long as we're being conscious and safe and smart and putting tires on when we need them. How could I get upset? You know, that's the one. That's the one thing I've noticed because I started playing with some cheaper tires. I've always had the mindset like, okay, I'm kind of gonna oh, go overboard with tires because, like Liza said, this is what touches the road. Mm-hmm. But I went with some uh, cheap dual sport tires last time. I think they're the six oh fives. What brand? And uh, Dunlop, right? Six oh five, like the six oh sixes, but a but minus one. <laughs> yes. And um, yeah, yeah that I was, one so I was costs you guys, a lot. 
I know. Yeah. But um, oddly enough, I got them mounted from Santa Clara Cycle. Uh, you know, I brought the wheels in. They mounted them. I got both both done for under $100. That's ridiculous. Um, it's ridiculous. Um, but but, I, but what I've noticed, I think most, and Emma can comment, most modern compounds are pretty good for yeah, the most part oh, as far yeah. as sticking to the road. You don't lose it. And I've ridden these tires in some wet weather. Um, I'm talking about the light, you know, the dirt bike dual sport tires. Uh, and then I've also ridden, you know, like the Moto Z's as well that are super grippy, you know, super a lot of confident in that compound. But I think even most DOT tires seem to be pretty decent. Now, the compounds seem to be pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's we've got it. We've got it pretty made here because generally we work on good road surfaces and we're not dealing with some weird ass shit like ice slush and just torrential rain like people in other parts of the world um or even other parts of the country you know i've i've gone backwards and forwards with dunlops over the years you know if you mess around with english bikes you generally people either put dunlops or avons on them i mean those are your choices for a classic british bike and you know 20 years ago Dunlops still had Made in England on the sides because they were made in England. And then they switched production to Japan, and that in itself wasn't a problem. But, you know, they changed the compound a little bit. This is exactly the same tyre. And then the same tyre now, it went from Japan to Indonesia. And I don't even think they mark where they make this same tyre on now. So it's made in some friggin' backwater somewhere um and yeah i don't know i really don't think the quality is as good as they used to be and you know before i sound like i'm getting all jingoistic i mean the japanese ones were very good um you know, certainly as good as the british ones in a lot of cases a lot better because the british ones you know the compound was a bit harder but they they ain't what they used to be i think dunlops if you spend a lot of money on Dunlops, you get very, very good tires. If you get cheap Dunlops, you get cheap tires. So, you know. well, you know, we were talking about sport touring tires, and I'm doing, I'm running the um, uh, the uh, Pilot. What is it now? Are they Pilot Fives? Yeah, is that the latest. Well, I know you're on Fives. Yeah, I still love Fours, and I just. Yeah. I was going to say in the threes, I got a ton of miles out of. I want to right. say like like ten thousand miles out of those things. It was crazy, and so I'm not getting near that mileage now. But you know, I, but it, it's been a pretty good sport touring tire. You know, we ride in the rain here and that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, so so I think like you said, with the sport bikes, we have a little bit more luxury with tires. Right. Um, with the sport touring tires, you know, uh, perform a little better. So, I went on a ride yesterday as well with um, my friend Mike McCarthy. And that's always a spirited ride because he rides the, the Aprilia and he's not afraid of corners. And, you know, I, w I was on my beloved but a little bit porky RF900. And I had just, the last couple of times I've been running Contis on it. I like the Contis. And this is the standard. It's the 12070 on the front, 19050 on the back. And I like the Contis, but they're hard work. You've actually got to push the bike around. And the RF, you know, it's a pretty big, heavy bike, so it's tiring. Um, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go back to um, Road 4s. And so I went back to Road 4s, and yesterday was my first ride with a brand new um, Road 4s on. 
And it's really kind of disconcerting how easily the bike turns in now. It really moves around very, very quickly on those things. I'd forgotten how quick they are. In my opinion, that's the gold standard. The sport touring tyres, I'm not talking about the full race Pirelli Diablo Corsas. I'm not talking about, you know, the Dunlop Sport Max Q Pluses. Sport touring tyre, the Michelins are the gold standard. Absolutely. And I prefer the fours to the fives, but the fives are a damn good tire. Good, good feedback. Now, I'm curious to know, Bagel, what's yeah. the gold standard in scooters? Hmm. Well, there are a lot of opinions as far as tires go for scooters. We want your um, opinion, Bagel. As far as my opinion goes, um, the, the setup that I, I prefer is um, – well, let me start by saying I've I've been a big fan of Heidenhaus for many years. Mm -hmm. uh, they have served me very well. Uh, good, uh, good, good handling. Good, uh, you know, nice construction. Uh, very durable tire, uh, and they la they last a nice long time. Um, your typical rear scooter tire lasts about three thousand miles uh, on a modern Vespa. Um, so that's these, about uh, three days for you. Well, it all depends, but yeah, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the yeah, Heidenhaus typically will last quite a bit longer. Uh, I've found I'll get four, four to 5,000 miles out of a Heidenhaus rear tire, uh, especially the what used to be the K61. Uh, now I think they've changed it to the K80. It's a slightly different tread pattern. Um, but uh, but those have been very good tires, um, especially for, for summer purposes. Um, for winter or or uh, less than ideal road conditions, um, I like the Heidenhaus K66 which is sort of an all-weather uh, type of tread pattern. Um, I figure I'm going to be wearing those a whole lot more up here in Oregon, um, just because it's going to be a whole lot more needed up here. Um, there is another tire that's entered into my consciousness in the last couple of years, um, mm -hmm. which is the, uh, the Michelin City Grip, uh, for the rear in particular. Um, on one of my cross country trips, I needed a rear tire uh, sooner than I than I expected, and uh, couldn't get any Heidenhaus. So, <clears throat> what was available was Michelin City Grip, and uh, to be honest, I was kind of reluctant to try it because um, I had tried um, a couple of different Michelin pilots many years ago when I had first gotten my uh, first modern Vespa, um, and I never felt like those tires held very well. Like I could, I could feel, even when they're warmed up, I could feel like the rear sling a little bit. If I, if I cornered a little too hard, um, I had, um, I, so I just, I, I really didn't get, get a good feeling, uh, for those Michelins, which is kind of surprising because I had had good luck with Michelins in the past. Um, but once I tried the Michelin city grit, that was a whole different story. Cause this is a dual compound tire, uh, that is really set up well for long distance uh, traveling with a much harder compound in the center um, and a nice, uh, you know, beefy center part of the tread. Uh, so it won't get chewed up quite so quickly uh, when you're doing uh, lots of high miles. And those easily rivaled uh, the longevity of my high now uh, tires that I had before. Um, and I, I think they shed uh, water quite a bit better than the Heidenhaus. So I've, I've kind of adopted those as my rear tire while still keeping the Heidenhaus on the front. 
So it, those those are the ones that I I really uh, it's good to hear that uh, Hyden Nows are making a name with scooters because that's a name that's been coming up. I hear more and more uh, in like dirt and adventure tires. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, you know, it used to be a time that there were tires like I would always buy cheap cheap ones like when Shinkos and Continentals were cheap that you should stay away from. And now like Shinkos are a good reliable tire. Uh, Emma and, and Rick, are there any tires that you would advise people to stay away from? You're still muted, Rick, just so you know. Am I still, are we yeah, back? You're good. You're oh, back. you're back. <clears throat> That's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> I don't, you know, I love choppers. I love really old sketchy death traps. Oh God, and- yes! I remember your 750 Honda. Fuck Woo! yeah! Oh, I cry about that. Still. Uh, uh, get into scooters, Rick. Front brakes are optional. So, <laughs> you know that Honda Chopper is a good example. It had like an Avon Speedmaster on the front, and I think a, a Safety Miler or whatever on the back. The other Avon old tire, as it were, and they were cracked to shit front to back like i could like stick a fingernail in all those cracks and see what was underneath them and probably read you the inner tube but i still ran them and i rode that thing to born frame back one time did like a thousand miles i was fine with it you know but now i'm seeing i still see a lot of people that are like at the swap meet looking for the old gold seal that's crusty and just beat and yellowed and that's the one they have to have and i don't know i work at a bike shop and i see people getting wrecks for stupid shit like tires so it makes it really hard to accept something like that happening. And I'm just like, man, you put all that time into that bike and really? You're going to go hooking that thing into a telephone pole because you had to have a neat tire? Like, get yeah. one of those goofy pokers or whatever. Like, there's other repops out there. Get one of them <laughs> Chromewald tires I have been yeah, hearing about. Chromewalls, <laughs> man. Yeah. And I, you unless, know, unless it's just for a show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is true. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm kind of with Rick. You know, tires have come a long way. I mean, Back when I started out in the 70s, and you'll remember this, Liza, you could get some genuinely hokey, terrifying tires. Yeah. Um, And generally, the bikes came with them brand new. Um, I remember I was working at a a bike shop that sold Kawasaki's, and this was right around 79.80. And this is when the The LTD... Yeah, sorry, Liza. Oh, this is is this when when you were younger and they were wooden rims? Yes, that's yes. right. Okay. And they they were powered by steam, darling. Yes. Oh, right okay. after the ponies, right? Yes, yes exactly. Okay. okay. Exactly. They switched from, from um wooden to rubber tires. Pony. Yeah. <laughs> yes, on the on the Pantechnicons and the omnibuses. Um <laughs> And Kawasaki had just brought out the LTDs, which were the factory mm-hmm. cruisers. So I think that would have been 79 or 80. And we sold a ton of them. High summer. Because in England, in August, you get the next model year. So, you know, August 1979 is your 1980 model. So pe- people buy them and they get the new license plate and all shit like that. And I vividly remember we sold probably 20 of these things and there was a heavy downpour about a month later and 15 of them came back with crash damage because the tires were just so terrifying and it rained and they just turned into just this horrible slick mess. And every single one of those bikes had the original tires put up, taken off 
and decent tyres put on before the first service. Every single one, even the ones that weren't crashed, because they had a nasty scare on them. So, you know, even the Japanese manufacturers, right up until sort of 80, 81, were making some really hokey tyres. Now, pretty much everything's decent. Yeah, and I, I have an experience too. The uh, the uh, Bajaj scooters, they came with these tire tires from the factory uh, that were called Nilo grips. Um, they just sort of just called them Nilos because there was no grip at all. If they're trying um, to convince you how good they are in the name, it can't be good. Yeah, and it, it's kind of like they were like riding on plastic. Um, they were very hard, so they would last an incredibly long time. If if you survive, because they didn't handle for, for crap. <laughs> wow. Uh, we, yeah. Well, you know, here we are in 2020, and generally Bridgestones are considered good tires. You know, you've got a sport bike. Yeah, put a set of S21s on it. You'll be right. They're a nice, predictable. They're a dual compound tire. You know, it's a nice, smooth-riding tire. All these LTDs were fitted with Bridgestones synthetic rubber tires that's what it actually said on the sidewall bridgestone synthetic rubber um and we used to call them gravestones for the <laughs> obvious reason oh you still got the factory gravestones on it um so yeah it was pretty scary but a slightly different story for me you know i came over here in 94 and i was working almost immediately at a bike shop where we used to do a lot of gold wings. And what I didn't realize, I, I hope it's died out amongst the gold wing owners because this drove me nuts. But amongst the gold wing riders, it was almost a badge of honor to wear your rear tire down as much as you could beyond the canvas. <laughs> you know, and it was... The more you wore it down, you know, and this was in the days before um, cell phones, you know, you'd get it up on the ramp and the owner would want to come in and take a picture of the rear tire to show all his mates, to show how much he got off it. And, you know, this was in San Luis Obispo and just up the road was the Cuesta grade. So if you lived in North County, which would have been the Tascadero, Templeton, Paso Robles, Santa Margarita, you had to ride down the Cuesta grade to get to the bike shop. And two or three times, we had to go out in the wrecker and scrape up just destroyed gold wings halfway down the quest to grade because mm. the back tires had given out. Just it to didn't be cool. Make, yeah, it didn't make any sense to me because do you really want to try and hold up an 800-pound bike that's flailing from side to side at <laughs> 70 miles an hour? It ain't going to happen. Yeah, as someone who has lost a rear tire on a 350-pound bike, uh, you, you don't want to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah, bigger is not better when you start losing tires. And you only get two on a motorcycle. That's the shitty part. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you need so, them both. Yeah. <laughs> hey, here's, here's a fun little anecdote. So, um, you know, I, I used to drive buses. And I was trained by Greyhound. So you're driving Greyhound and you've got this giant steering wheel that's about three feet diameter. And there's all these tempting switches like wiper switches and light switches right in front of you. And so I remember it started raining during my training. And so I reached down and turned on the wiper 
and the instructor gave me the biggest berating I ever heard. And I said, well, what did I do wrong? He said he reached through the steering wheel. He said, you never do that. Because if you reach through the steering wheel and you have a front tire blowout, it will break your wrist instantly. Wow. Instantly. And now you've got real problems because you're trying to control a 45-foot-long <laughs> Greyhound with bus with a flat front tire and a broken wrist. Floppy yeah. hand. You always reach underneath. You always reach underneath. Important safety tip. Thankfully, I never had a front tire blowout. I had a couple of rear tire blowouts, which was quite interesting. Actually, but, and uh, that is sage advice for sexual encounters as well. Absolutely. Go from underneath. You never reach through. No. Don't reach through. Sneak up from underneath. <laughs> yes. It works well for Emma, let me tell you. Everybody knows what they're getting into. It's a much better approach. Just yeah. Well, exactly. You know, you know, try before you buy. Yes. That's, that's, that's the sagest advice at all. Oh my. With consent, of course. Well, yeah, don't exactly. We're we're on we're on such a good we're on such a good run uh, sharing good advice. I thought we'd keep it rolling, and um, you know holidays are coming up. Not just that, it's winter, so for a lot of people, they're yes, not out Christmas riding. Is coming, this is the time to work on your garage. So. Ooh. I wanted to ask each of you, and I'll start out just to get it rolling, but five things that every garage should have, okay? Now, now before anyone says anything, are you talking in addition to the obvious, like wrenches, sockets? Yes. Motorcycles? So presuming you have a well-stocked Things that people may, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Assuming you have, you know, a set of wrenches. But if there's a specialty set of wrenches or, or tools, right. you can mention that. So I will start out. So for me, I think every garage should have a couch of some sort. And for my garage, because it's not very big, I have a van seat. I went down to a pick and pull and I bought a van seat. It still has the ashtrays in the armrest and everything. Oh, it's brilliant. It's yeah. great <laughs> brocade. Oh, yeah. I think straight. it's out of a Dodge. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe. Do not shine a black light on that thing. Still it's, gets the seat belts and everything. Stuff. But it's just um, it's just a place to sit, and it makes it more inviting. Also, speaking of inviting, every garage should have a fridge. I don't care what you put in it. Beer, water, I have root beer, soda, juice. Whatever, but every every garage should have a fridge because when people show up, you got to give them something to drink, right? Um, yeah. Uh, here's a, a, something that I think is big that a lot of people don't have: a compressor. Oh yeah. Here's yep. the thing about compressors. Hey, first thing oh, there we go. Uh, compressors come in all sizes. You can have a big one or you can have a little one, but having the ability to inflate your tires means you're going to be checking your tires and not just, right. you know, leaving it up to oh, check it at the gas station, right? They're not that ex- that expensive. And again, they come in all sizes. So get a compressor. Um, one of those crappy little electric ones. Have you seen these things? Yeah, but... Like a drill. But... A- but... You can run, you can run tools off a bigger compressor. Oh no! Of course, do the smart thing. But you know, if you're going to be silly and avoid a compressor because you live in like a shoebox or an apartment or something, yeah. I mean, I have a. There's other ways to. 
an emergency compressor that lives in a pouch. I take it on trips, you know. I have emergency chocolate that I keep. In <laughs> Same thing, exactly. And if I get hungry, I eat my emergency chocolate. There we go. Surrounded by the enemy. So the next two things are very important. Every motorcycle and scooter shop should have a stick and a pipe. And let me explain. So stick is what I call having like a one by two, about two or three feet long. You never you know. Holding. You never know when you're going to need to wedge or pry some. I use it to pop carburetors into the boots when I need because the hmm. stick the the pine one by two is softer than metal it's not going to damage it if you really have to like put it against the fins on your engine to to wedge something you're less likely to do any damage than you would with like a screwdriver same with the pipe pipe is the other version of the the thing for wedging or leverage putting it over your your uh, wrenches right to give you that extra leverage when you need you just having a like two foot long pipe and a stick air tools that get used all the time in the garage. All right. Who's who else has got a list of five they want to go? Well, so my, my garage is slightly different because I do so much work on British bikes. Mm -hmm. So once again, compressor, but we'll, we'll, we'll go beyond that. Yeah. So, Number one is a set of Whitworth wrenches. Oh. What the hell are Whitworth wrenches? It's what mm -hmm. holds old British bikes together. Emma. They're put together by Whitworth bolts. You, th you think every garage should have a set of Whitworth? If you're working on British bikes, you're better. Okay. I, for the record, <laughs> I have a set of Whitworth in my garage. Never been opened. I just want to say. Well, because you, how many? Um, I like a lathe. I've got Ooh. a lathe in my workshop. I've had a lathe in my workshop forever. Ooh, what are you, and I what are you use, turning on it? When I'm building, I will use that thing every day. Because, you know, I make my own nuts and bolts. Oh, I have seen your turn to right. bolts. I've seen your fasteners. Yes. Oh, have you? Yeah, I know. <laughs> seen you were your terribly nuts. excited <laughs> by them, weren't you? I know. Yeah. They, were, they were quite cheeky. Um, oh. I like having a welder. Um, yeah. I think every shop, you know, welders are cheap enough now that you can just buy yourself a cheap MIG welder. Mm -hmm. MIG welding is easy. And you buy the MIG welder, keep it for a, a year or so. And then when you're a little more flush, get a proper gas conversion with it. Because the flux core mm -hmm. welders are generally a bit hokey. It's far better. All MIG welders have a gas capability. So you can plonk down 100, 150 bucks if you can, get your MIG welder, use it, abuse it, and then a year later, get the gas conversion for it, which will set you back about the same. But now you're really laying down some pretty wells. Now so, you're cooking um, the gas. Exactly. <laughs> so we've got the wrenches, we've got the lathe, we've got the... Um, uh, 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 um, welder. Um, you know, it's cheap enough now. Buy a frigging ramp. Buy yourself mm. a ramp. Good yep. one. Wait until Harbor Freight do a sale. I worked out. When you say ramp, do you mean a ramp or a lift? A lift. A lift. Uh -huh. Okay. <sighs> yeah. I worked out that y you can buy, as long as it's on special. 
you can buy the Harbour Freight lift for less than the cost of the steel that it's made out of. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I think yeah. I think you can get them for yeah, like. Jim's got one. I've got one. Yeah, it's, like, it's like less than three hundred bucks if you get them on sale, yeah. and it will change your life, especially if you are a little older, like yep. I am. Yeah. Which brings me to the last thing, and it's the off the thing that's most often overlooked. Um, I'm looking at everybody who's here, and. Every single person right now is over 40. And a lot of our listeners are over 40 as well. Buy some decent lighting. Because what people don't actually realize, as you get older, your eyes actually Mm -hmm. get dimmer. And you need more lighting than you did. You're actually going to see things less. And I'm not talking about... um, clarity in terms of sharpness of vision Mm -hmm. i'm actually talking about available light you simply you can't deal with the same amount of light you used to work with in your 20s so buy yourself some decent strip lighting if you're going to work on a bike get some strip lighting fluorescent lighting's fine but get the natural stuff that gives the natural light Unless you've got a very specialized work area and then get the very, very blue fluorescent stuff that really highlights it. But get that place lit up. Main criticism I have as an old fart going into other people's workshops is they're not bright enough. That is a By great, great, great one. <laughs> yep. There and, you go. Five. You can even get some cool stuff like Jim has one in his shop that has Bluetooth and a speaker in it. Mm-hmm. That is true. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, you can turn into your radio too. All right. Hey Jim. Uh, those are great. Christmas lighting doesn't count. <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> doesn't yeah, hurt, but though. it makes my skin look good. It does. You look fabulous, Doc. These, these are great, great ideas so far. The lights are something. Um, and, you know, the point here, too, is these are things you can put on your shopping list for Christmas, right? Just a hint. Mm-hmm. All right, who yeah. wants to go next? Mm-hmm. I got some. All right, Bagel, what you got? All right, so the first one that I would recommend is a tire machine. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Because, like, like you were saying earlier, changing tires is a pain in the ass. Yes. But if you have a machine that you can use to do it, it makes it a whole lot easier. Now, did um, you also a, get a lot of friends when you got a tire mm-hmm. machine? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Lots of friends who like to come and visit for about I've an heard hour. this happens. Yeah. It's about a six-pack. Um, every, every three months or so. <laughs> and I'm actually going to give you, Bagel, um, a cheaper alternative to that if you can't plonk down. How much is a tire machine now? Well, it all depends what you get. Um, you know, a really nice one will set you back more than a thousand bucks, I'm sure. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. But, but you can get some Harbor Freight ones for maybe 200 bucks, something like that. So even if that is beyond your budget, the majority of people struggle. The biggest thing's. Um, you struggle with is pushing the bead off. Mm -hmm. I just bought myself a bead breaker from, um, I think, uh, Parts Unlimited. It was 70 bucks. And it popped those beads off my RF900 
like butter. And that's the only reason I would ever yeah. not do a, a, a tire. Because particularly on a tubeless tire, you can't push those beads off. So if you buy a bead breaker, yeah. it's not going to cost you much and learn how to run the irons if you can't afford a tire machine. Yeah. But I agree. Tire machine, if you can, bead breaker, if you can't. Good one. What else? Yeah, and, and a lot of tire machines will come with a bead breaker too. So, oh yeah, um, yeah. So that's always yeah. Look out for that as well when you're shopping around. Um, another suggestion that I would recommend is a parts rack, because when you're working on mm. something and you need room to put all the stuff that you're taking off bike, what better uh -huh. than to have a parts rack right there next to where you're working on it? So that way you can keep everything organized, keep it out of the way, so you're not going to yep. step on it and trip over it and break your head open. Um, yeah, our track is, is really useful to have. It's um, all about that shelving, yo. And you guys are showing yep. the, the metal shelving with the metal rack. I like the yep. ones that have the the wooden, it's the metal rack with the wooden shelf so that mm -hmm. small parts don't drop through. Yeah. But I have both. Um, but yeah, you can get them in different depths from like any Ace Hardware. That's a yep. great one. Yep. Uh, another one that I'd recommend is a workbench because yes. when you have things to work on, um, it sucks sitting on the floor. And if you can have, have a workbench where you can put a, a chair or a stool that you can sit at, it makes working on little things like carburetors, engine rebuilds, um, you know, even, you know, other, other smaller stuff. Uh, it, it's really helpful to have a workbench that you can sit at and be comfortable while you're working on it. Um, because one of the things that, that, you know, along, along with, um, along the lines of having a lift, <clears throat> which, which the whole idea of that is to make the bike, put the bike in a place or whatever it is you're working on into a place that's more accessible for you to get to it. So you don't have to hunch down or crawl around on the floor and, you know, stress your back out or your hips or whatever. Um, you can sit in a normal position and work on it, uh, whether it's on a workbench or a lift. That's another good, good one. one to include as well. Um, another one is spare gas cans. Now, a lot mm. of us have them, but not everybody does. Um, but it's always good to have a spare gas can around. Uh, if if you need uh, to go rescue somebody, you can grab it and go get some gas. Or if somebody needs to rescue you, um, somebody can bring you a can of your of your uh, from your garage. And I'm going to give you a misfit top tip. So if you were walking down the street of your local town carrying a gas can, gas can and a length of rubber hose at two o'clock in the morning and the police pull you over and say, what do you think you're doing, young Run. man or young woman? You can say, bagel told me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Is that five? Right, right. I wasn't counting. Um, I think that might have been four. Um Number five, what, I, what I'd recommend is a uh, a vice. Oh, good one! Put on your workbench. Uh, having a vice is a is a wonderful tool to have to hold, hold oh. things when you have hands. You're you're cu you're cutting out a bit, Bagel. Just together. so you know, you you turned into a bad robot for a oh, second. Okay. Oh, I don't think he had a very good breakfast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, vice is I, great. Actually, I had farm fresh eggs today. Really? Oh, did you really? But yeah, because if you need, <laughs> I did. But uh, but if you need both hands to work on something, mm -hmm. it really helps to have a vice to hold it in, so that you can have both your hands free. Can I can I add to that? 
Yeah. The aluminum uh, vice clamp covers. The soft clamps. Yeah. The soft clamps. Yes. Yeah, yeah. If you get a vice, you need to get the aluminum soft clamp covers so that if you're putting anything yep. metal in there, it's not going to scratch it. Surely you, mean the, yep. surely you mean the aluminum ones, darling. That's exactly it. <laughs> oh, good. All right. Who's going next? I know. I think I got things. All right. All right. Let's do it. Right. I don't have aluminum prophylactics for my vice, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I say you're posh, aren't you, eh? It's still early. Um, I'm going to back up the compressor thing. Not only... I'm an air tire PSI Nazi, as trained by the great illustrious Emma. And, you know, having the air there so that when you are low, you actually will top it up, all of a sudden will change your life. You know, yes. if you have the ability there in your shop, yes. whether it's a stupid pancake compressor that sounds like a bunch of dying cats for 20 minutes, who cares? You know what I mean? You're riding your thing and you don't want to die. And sometimes a little bit of air is all it takes. So I think the power of that, and then all of a sudden when you go, oh shit, cutoff wheels, what's an angle grinder? What's this? Like the whole world opens mm -hmm. up. There's a whole corner of Harbor Freight you need to stay away from. As we call it, the most dangerous tool in the garage, the angle <laughs> grinder. Yeah. Endless. And, yes. and let me tell you also that having a compressor is, is a great cleaning tool because when you have a little air nozzle thing where you can just shoot some air at something, uh -huh. it, It'll clean whatever mm. you shoot it at. It, it will. I as long as it's cat. not you. OSHA does not approve <laughs> yeah. that. Yes, don't don't clean yourself with it. No, no. Um, I think fire is an important th Well, two things on fire. Wait, fire? You need to be able to make it and stop it. That's important in shop. <laughs> and I don't know. I've worked enough years at bike shops, and I'm kind of an asshat and a ham myself that, like, I sold a shitload of little cheap extinguishers we had one year, mm -hmm. but I didn't feel bad about it. Because at the end of the day, it totally made sense. It was like, yeah, you're fucking around. You don't know what's happening. You know, your water heater pilot pops on all of a sudden. Something happens. You never know. You know, yeah, sometimes me, an extinguisher in the shop yeah. could have saved your butt. Yeah, let me tell you, I had, I had a friend who came by uh, when I was actually moving <clears throat> a couple of uh, months ago. And uh, a sudden smoke started coming out of the front of his car. And we're like, what the hell? I hate it when that happens. And he like, pulled the hood, and there's like all this like wood, and it smelled like wood smoke. And we're like, what the hell? We opened the hood, and like, it was coming from the exhaust manifold. So I, I had a fire extinguisher, grabbed the fire extinguisher, shot it under there. Turned out rats, he, the car had been parked for a week. Rats had been building a nest in his, his exhaust oh, manifold. Oh, and he set their nest good. on fire. Right? And so these wood chips were like like glowing embers falling out. Aww. <laughs> Poor but, little kids. But if he had a blanket. fire extinguisher handy, his car probably would have gone up in flames right in front of my house. Totally. Totally. Yeah. That's the thing. If a fire starts, I've seen motorcycles become totaled for the stupidest shit. Like, right. it, that, this could have been prevented. Pour your Starbucks out on it, sir. Do something. <laughs> that you is know? a great one. Fire extinguishers. I mean, I have a bunch out yeah. there, and I, I always forget to yeah. check them. No, but, and they're a really cool, gifty thing. Yeah. It's cheap, and it's thoughtful, too. You're not just being an idiot with a funny gag gift, like, oh, you're going to burn your house down. No, it's here. Don't burn your house down. Yeah. That and is a good call. And get the kind that are rechargeable too, because then you can just take it. It's much Go. easier. To oh. I back that, and they work well. Not that I've yeah. had to use them. Um, oh, yeah. The one that I used worked great. 
I think, uh, it, you know, inspiration on the wall thing, whether it's an expired tool calendar of sorts or whatever it is, yes. something mm. to stare off into the madness behind your buffing wheel when you're sitting there for four days trying to get ah. the buff. And... I, I had posters on my list, but then I replaced it with stick. But yeah, I, those, that's great. I'll pick up the poster for you. I'm going to also back up your seat. Mine was out of an 85 Suburban that came from Emma, actually, and it was in my nice. garage for a long time and had an ashtray in the armrest as well. Nice. They're perfect. They're a little bit tinier than a normal couch. Yeah. And that's a killer idea doing the swap meet style mm -hmm. instead of just some Craigslist junk and spending too much money on junk. Um, another thing that I think is good is a second motorcycle or a third <laughs> motorcycle or oh, a yes. fourth motorcycle, a ah! motorcycle <laughs> behind your broken motorcycle. And I right one. now have zero because my broken one's broken and the other one broke while I was braking and if I would have had a working bike, I probably would have had a nicer weekend. Can I you talk you into means, a right? KLR? <laughs> but but you know what that means? <laughs> what? Yeah. You just need to get another bike. I it's oh, I'm trying to dwindle them down, but <laughs> we'll see what happens. It's still early. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you well, got I have I had a thought uh, yeah. along the lines of posters, um, old license plates. Mm -hmm. You gotta hang I up got all those too. in your garage. Yeah. yeah, I got some from every state. There's a there's a really good um, drill tap and die poster I remember seeing in Ooh. machine shops. Hmm. Yeah, there's actually like you know legitimate relevant measurement charts. Yeah, you know we could use that every now and then maybe. Yeah, nice. or ferrofaucet, whatever. All right, is that is that your list? Or is there that anything works for else? me. Awesome. All right, Jim, it's coming down to you. Oh gosh, I'm well, sure I'll you got the good one. Chart is without a doubt you got to start with the current Betty Kate Betty Page calendar. <laughs> yeah, there oh, it is, Betty Page calendar. Old stuff. You got to be current. Garage. I'm looking forward to December. Come on Tuesday. Um, <laughs> you guys covered all the uh, you guys covered all the good stuff, but we talked about a lift. I'll <laughs> it'll be lift. Did plus you say two. come on Tuesday? <laughs> yeah, Tuesday's the first. We get to see December. Big day we celebrate. Did you see? Did you see? <laughs> we celebrate. <laughs> Come on Tuesday. Yeah. Well, oh, good Come lord, woman. <laughs> oh, Scotch you. Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> All right, oh, so I'm going to double up on the lift. Uh, the Harbor Freight lift, for sure, right? It's cheap and it is life-changing. Um, but also, I have another tiny scissor lift that I use on that because you have to take wheels off or whatever, you know, you still have that, even though the bike's up at waist level, you still have to, you know, do something to take the rear. That is on my list. Wheel. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot I don't of have stuff, one. but, um, Those are but, awesome. it's, but it, it makes things, you know, I've got the little rear wheel Jack, you know, if I'm doing the rear wheel, but I've also got this tiny little scissor lift I can put, uh, right underneath the engine, and it works great. It's very yeah. versatile. Yeah, so no, that's, awesome. that's on yeah. my list of things I need to get. Yes. Yeah, yeah I got one of those. Yeah. Um, lighting, obviously, I think that's a great one. Uh, Liza, you told me that very early on. You know, do mm -hmm. the lighting first. You can see Bagel's Garage. It's got great lighting. Uh, Emma's looks like a cave. I've been in there. I think it's an <laughs> English thing. <laughs> um, Lucas Electricity. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, welder also comes in super handy, a lot more than you think. Um, I'll throw this out. Music. Um, I love to listen to music. It really, you know, helps my mood, you know, have a good time. You can have a little dance party, all that kind of stuff. Um, and the other thing I'll throw out is compressors are great, but uh, like mentioned earlier, they can be awfully loud. You know, I've got a big one that's great when I need it, but, you know, it's it's like honking loud and I got neighbors. Um, and honestly, for putting air in my bikes, I use a bicycle pump. 
Um, and I, so I have a little bicycle pump I keep handy and I really just use that to put air in. Um, and it's almost just as easy to use that. And I guess that's it. Lastly is a little, uh, like a wire wheel, an electric wire wheel. I got an old one strapped to the table over here and it's another thing I just use for all sorts of stuff. I didn't never think I'd use it as much as I did, but for cleaning stuff up or getting paint off or, you know, all sorts of stuff. So yeah, I'll throw those in there. I, cool. All right. This is our bonus round. We just get to throw. I know we all got one more. So yeah. I'll, I'll throw mine in. Tubing. Go to your hardware store. Get tubing of all different sizes. Quarter, three eighths, half. You never know when you're going to need it to put it onto your funnel or to replace some fuel line. You never know, but tubing is something that I'm always pulling out and having a nice selection. Go by like three or four feet of all the different sizes that they have at the hardware store. You, you will be surprised how many times you use it. What you got, Bagel? Yeah. Uh, another one I thought of is um, <clears throat> either like a fatigue mat or like, like foam, like one of those foam flooring things. Uh, because if you're standing a lot when you're working in your garage, that'll really tire your feet out. And uh, having a fatigue mat uh, like they use in supermarkets uh, or that foam flooring that they sell for garages, that really uh, extends the amount of time that you can spend standing up in your garage working on stuff. We call those fatigue mats around here. Fatigue. <laughs> Is there a Y in that too? <laughs> <laughs> Only if you've been hitting the Thanksgiving lunch too much. Uh-oh. <laughs> Emma, do you have a bonus round suggestion? Who, me? A bottle of gin, maybe? Yeah, I was going to say, yes, gin and tonic receptacle. Not <laughs> Thanks far. to you, my garage has plenty of bottles of gin. Uh, yes, good Oh, Well, it's a proper bloody garage then. Next. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rick, did you have a final bonus round addition? Hmm. All right, uh, if you no. don't, I'll throw one in for you. Make it happen. A hacksaw. Oh, mm. yes. Hacksaw. Yeah. Just yeah. sometimes a hacksaw is the right tool. You yeah. don't need sometimes to have all the big cutters or the grinding wheel or something. Just a hacksaw. To definger your enemies. <laughs> <laughs> no, or yourself. Oh, speaking of defingering, bolt oh, cutters. Oh, my. Oh, God. Ooh, yeah. oh, yes. But, if I mean, in Harley World, when we do our push rods and our quick little cam jobs, that's our little snip. Get out of there. And you put in some adjustable ones. But I know plenty of other times I've had to snip stuff on my bike. As like spokes. Have you ever respoken sure. a wheel? Yeah, totally. Good one. I'll throw one last one in. All right. Is, uh, ratcheting, ratcheting straps. Um, I use them oh, for all yeah. sorts mm -hmm. of stuff. If you got to keep something up or down. I use them lately. I had to get the uh, engine back in the Ascot. And one of the lower engine mounts, it was just, I think it was from the powder coating. So it was kind of wouldn't quite fit in. So I just put a strap around the, the head and kind of around the frame and gently ratcheted it and it, oop, sucked it right in. So ratcheting straps, kind of more like a tool, but super handy. You know, that, nice. that is a great one. I used that once um, when I didn't have a front lift, uh, a front stand for my Ducati and I had to replace the front wheel, the tire and I used ratcheting straps to the beam in the garage yeah. and just ratcheted it up in the air, which worked great but if you happen to notice next time you're in the garage, there's a new beam in there because I cracked it. <laughs> yes, make sure it can support the weight and it's not termite ridden. 
Details. Exactly. <laughs> so um, I wanted to take a moment to get some plugs in here. Um, you guys, next weekend is the South Jersey Moto Film Festival. You know, I'm one of the, uh, the organizers of it. Tickets for the first weekend are free. The first three days are free. If you want the extended viewing, it's only 10 bucks. And that'll give you access to all the films for... 10 hours. Um, but there's something um, that we're doing uh, in conjunction with it that I wanted to talk about. Have you guys ever heard of All Kids Bike? Uh-uh. Maybe not. So this is pretty cool. This is, um, it's a nonprofit organization that takes those Strider bikes, you're familiar with these, into yeah. schools and teaches five-year-olds how to ride. Because believe it or not, not everyone has that opportunity. Not every kid has a bike or somebody who's teaching them. So much has changed how things work now. Um, So getting kids onto two wheels as early as you can and then – and then for many of them, that turns into two wheels and a motor, right? So it's important for, for us, for the motorcycle community, to help support getting kids on two wheels early. So All Kids Bikes Bike is this nonprofit that goes out and does these programs with Strider Bikes. So uh, Rev Sisters is supporting them through the South Jersey Moto Film Festival. And we're doing this by having a raffle. You don't have to be attending the, the film festival, which is online, uh, to participate. Um, you just go to revsisters.com. You'll find tickets to the film festival there. You'll also find a link that says raffle. For every $5 that you donate to them, you have a ticket to our raffle. And we've got some great prizes. Um, we've got a Senna 10C Pro. Uh, that Senna gave us. Um, we've got a um, a break free, break for you know a bunch of us have those for your helmet. Yeah, those are cool. Um, awesome. We've got a bunch of autographed books from Moto uh, authors like Sam Manicon, stuff like that. Yeah, he's one of our judges. So a lot of great Moto books, uh, T-shirts. Um, we've got an uh, Oxford um, battery, a smart battery charger. So go on over to RevSisters.com, donate anything you can to All Kids Bike. And and it doesn't go to us. It goes to them, straight to them. But then they send us a message. Every $5 you donate gets you a ticket into the raffle. And uh, I just wanted to say it's a really cool thing that they're doing to support kids in two wheels. So check that out. Um, Another thing I just want to get everyone excited about is what I am calling the Road to 400. Oh, oh yeah. yeah? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> uh, this episode right here is 396, episode 396. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, we've got four episodes the whole month of December uh, leading up to the last the last recording of the year was going to be our episode 400. So I am going big and I'm booking some big guests. Oh, wow. Yes. I've got some, I've got some pretty cool stuff. Uh, Rick, let me just say you definitely want to be here next week. I, I'll be here. You definitely want to be here next week. 
Okay. We've got an icon in motorcycling, a big name, Hall of Famer. I am so excited about this one. Um, So, any, I just wanted to just let everyone know, every episode in in December, you really want to be tuning in. We're going to have some fun with this. So bad for a rinky-dink little podcast. We get some pretty big names on here. Actually, may I toot (laughs) my horn? Yes, you may. Thank you. Um, I did an interview uh, today for Podcast Magazine. Oh, how posh. Yeah, they're doing a feature on us. Uh, It would have been a lot better if you'd have done it magazine podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And who knew? (laughs) Yeah, Podcast Magazine is a pretty cool thing. Um, And uh, hopefully this will help even more people learn about us. But the thing that's cool is the the editor of uh, the the leisure uh, section of the magazine, she's just getting into writing. Yeah, she's just taking the MSF class. She's got a Rebel 250. And she's she thought, you know what? I should check out if there's any good motorcycle podcast. She started listening to us and she's loving it and she's inspired. Um, So, yeah, shout out to Lori if you're listening. Hey, Lori. Uh, Hey, Lori. They just have a magazine or do they have a podcast too? They are going to be having a podcast too. Oh. Yes. Did you give her some tips, Liza? Of course I did. (laughs) (laughs) Of course I did. Um, Yeah. So, but it's not going to come out until March, I believe. But that was really, um, really cool to to be, you know, to be asked to be in that. Um, That is cool. So I came up with a little game called (laughs) "What What Would Emma Do." Let a bit peek him out. <laughs> God help you all. Is this a multiple choice game? <laughs> Not really. So here's the deal. I've created some moto emergency scenarios that oh, I will build for you. And then I'm going to ask each of you one at a time um, how you would handle the situation. And then we will hear from Emma how she would handle it. So um, let's start with so I think bagel. well I want to make this clear. Yeah, it might not be the best answer. It might not be even the logical answer. Your answer should reflect what you think I would do, All not right. what you would do. Mm-hmm. What you think I would do? <laughs> is or that clear? what? We, or what you would do? Well, I think whatever. what you think I, is the right thing to do in the situation. So, all right, hear me out. Hear me out. Anyway. All, right. all right. Bagel. Yes. It's at night on a backcountry road. Yes. No houses in sight. Mm-hmm. And you're late for a birthday party. You need to get there because you've got the cake. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and you get a flat tire. All you have with you is a toothbrush, a lighter, a multi-tool, a hamster, and some hairspray. Yes. (laughs) What do you do? Give it the beans, darling. (laughs) Give it the beans. (laughs) (laughs) 
So the before or after the hamster. <laughs> so I have a with, flat tire. You, with, you have a flat tire. You've got a toothbrush, a toothbrush, a lighter, a hamster, a multi-tool, and hairspray. What do you do? Is this a tubeless tire or a tubes tire? Tubeless. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, I think I'd have to use the toothbrush to take the tire off of the rim, mm-hmm. um, plug the tire with the hamster, um, <laughs> use the hairspray, <laughs> the lighter to reinflate the tire, <laughs> and off you go. Dude, that was great. No, that was good. I use every tire. I think we can do this quicker. <laughs> I'm afraid to ask what part of the hamster uses in the blood. Well, oh, every part fit. The sticky part. Yeah. Wet part. I guess that's what the multi tool is for is eviscerating the hamster to get yeah. to the so sticky just part. The whole okay. thing in there, and eventually okay. the pieces fill the hole. Oh, just use the blood to coagulate. All right. I like where you're going. I like your thought. Emma, how did he do? What what would you have done? No, it's absolutely perfect. (laughs) The only thing I might do different is, you know, essentially I'm a pacifist at heart. So So what I might do is write a little note and hang it around the hamster's neck and then send him to the next town for help. <laughs> Go get help, Hammy. Bring me help. No, I think that was, I think it was very... I think that no, I think that was very valid, Bagel. I'm I'm hugely impressed, darling. <laughs> Resourcefulness, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's abs- absolutely marvelous. Good, okay. good egg. Ten out of ten. Okay, right. good job, Bagel. All right, you. Jim, you're up. Yes. Uh, you are. <laughs> Same scenario. I'm laughing. We you're, have yeah. same scenario. You're riding out. Same scenario. Yeah, at night you got the birthday cake, backcountry road. You're all alone, and you blow a fuse and lose oh. all power. And you go through your bags, and what you find is a paper clip, some double mint gum, a 22 rifle. And yarn. What do you do? Uh, let's see. Well, I'm thinking if Emma were to pull up at that moment, um, probably in the Jag, she would say, oh, a ferret has pissed in your airbox. I'll give you $300 for your motorcycle. <laughs> yes, that's, that's about I think right. Emma would do. Um, well, of course, I think I would combine all the things. I think I would wrap the 22 bullet in the gum wrapper, the aluminum gum wrapper, then wrap the paper clip around it even tighter and then um, shove it into the fuse box. I think that's going to get me where I'm going. And then um, yarn, was that it? Yarn, yes. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe slightly strangulate myself for the ride because it's going to be a horrible birthday party. <laughs> I don't know. What do you do with 22? That's all I know. And that no, I, no, why you keep rolling around in the fair. glove box for but, a fuse? But what lies is getting at? So what lies is getting at? Your bike's got a problem. And each of the items she mentioned have a higher blow rating. You know, so if you keep blowing fuses, you can try it with the um, gum wrapper. And if that just melts straight away, you need something a bit firmer so you can use the paper clip. And if that 
starts burning up, you need to put the bullet in there. And if that gets really hot, you need to wrap the twine around it. So if it really starts setting things on fire, you can pull it out with the yarn. But good job, Jim. Oh, that's what the yarn's uh, you know, for. Okay, yeah, I get kind of weird I, sometimes. Actually, I, the, the yarn is for the tourniquet when you shoot yourself in the leg. <laughs> right. Um, oh, there we go. But, you know, um, you know, I'm a huge fan, Jim, of self-abuse, as you well know. So the idea of strangling yourself, seen. you know, the auto-asphyxiation thing, big plus for me. So 10 out of 10, darling. Uh, bonus Thank technicality. You. Good job. <laughs> All right, Rick, I'm down to you. Ooh. Same Rick scenario, so, back road late Rick at knows night. Me so well. This could go either way. But you run out of gas. Ooh. And you dig through your bag, and all you can find is a jar of olives, a scarf, some WD 40, gin. And some nylon stockings. And we're not even going to talk about how those stockings got in your bag. Oh, I'm glad they're there, though. Um, <laughs> could be, be some strangulation no, going but on I hate soon. olives. This is the worst. Hold on. Um, <laughs> hey, come in handy if you need to hitch a ride, you know? So we've got olives, gin. A scarf, WD-40, and nylon stockings. Well... We can run on the WD-40 long enough. We know that. But you're going to have to keep spraying it in. It's going to get obnoxious. You're on limited time. I don't think that's the solution. I, I, You know, when in doubt, there's always gin. I'm pretty sure put the stockings on, eat the olives, drink the gin, and wait for AAA. Oh! <laughs> A perfect scenario. I mean, just saying. <laughs> I'm not going to wait for Joe Namath method. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying well, to think what's more combustible, and I'm not going to run olive oil through my gas tank. So stop there. Um, the WD-40, I'm, sh yeah, probably worse things to do. But I don't, and the gin's for drinking. You don't waste that <laughs> on a motorcycle. <laughs> well, that's an emergency, darling. But, oh. you know, you you have got the legs. I've seen his legs. And if anybody had legs to wear the nylons, he's got it. I get yelled but, at for strutting in Target quite often. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what to do. If you get yelled at for strutting in Target, move leave to the Wal kids section. <laughs> Walmart, darling. At least grab a Hot Wheel. Don't look so incriminating. <laughs> 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 Close enough. You what absolutely you? nailed it. Yeah, no. just you know all the things, all the things, Rick. I mean, no, it's it's. I I think your solution was absolutely perfect. You also get ten out of ten. Well, oh, it sounds like we all win. You are all winners, but I have. Uh oh. I have one of my own. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Who's this for? So, is this for everyone? How does this work? Yes, it can be. Something it can bad. be. Accepting uh, accepting, Jim. You can't take part in this, Jim, because I think okay. you... How about me? How about already. me? Give one to me. I want to play the game. All right. Okay. So, um, as, as you're well aware, you know, we've, we've been in lockdown and we've just gone through um, Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So, Emma's packed on a few pounds. And um, I decide to go out to the pub and celebrate. 
So I put on my best fuck me pumps and waddle off down to the pub and sink a few You have to stop making that noise with your hands because everyone's going to okay. be very confused and then what I, you're actually I sink doing. I quite a few gin and tonics yes. and uh, wobble, wobble my way home. But halfway there, I lose a heel. What mm. do I do? What's in your bag? I have seen relevant. this, by the way. It's- Absolutely irrelevant. So lose a heel as in it breaks or you've just lost Yes, yeah, shoe. yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's completely done for. This is real-life scenario, darling. It, inv- it involves being overweight, being drunk, and wearing stupidly high shoes. Let me tell you what I did last time I broke a heel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I know exactly what you would do here. Yes, come on, tell me. Um, well, you still need to get home, right? Of course. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So what you're going to do is you're going to take off the other heel. Yes. But you're also going to take off your blouse and brassiere yes. because you don't yes. want anyone noticing your feet. And you've got wonderful tits. So if you're topless, no one's going to look at your feet. Yeah, because Rick's actually seen them. <laughs> I'll never forget Emma rushing into the tattoo shop I worked at one day. And lifting my top and I was a what piercer at the time. These, Rick? She bull rushes me into my piercing room. <laughs> oh, Rick, look what I got! <laughs> what do you think? And there's only one thing you can say. Yeah. Thumbs up. <laughs> Two thumbs up. So anyway, Liza. How'd I do? Um, actually, very poorly. (laughs) You get a zero out of ten. You get a zero out of ten. So this is what Emma would actually do. Step one, call a policeman. (laughs) And so I'd call for a policeman, and when the policeman arrived, I would fight him, steal his (laughs) Doc Martins, and walk home. We ride home. I was going to say, you you beat him with the one good shoe. Yes, exactly. But nevertheless, I, I would fight I would fight him and get his Doc Martins out of him and either walk home or drive myself home in the police car. Thank you. Somehow I feel like this uh, game was <laughs> not fair. <laughs> not loaded, not quite the same. <laughs> no, it's, it, no, it's not quite the same. But ah. no, I think everybody did very well, including you, Liza. Uh, because, thank you. Well, gosh. We'll have to play that another time. What would I Emma like do? All right. So I would like to talk about... A new bike that has been announced. It's that time of year. And this one is interesting. It's it's intriguing. It's not something I was expecting. Have you guys seen the announcement that the Rebel is now coming out in an 1100? Been expecting that yep. for a while, actually. And you know what that engine is from? Um, you ride one. Yeah. The Africa, Africa Twin. Twin. So... The Rebel has long been considered the the beginner bike. And I think we can all agree, it is an excellent bike for new riders to start on. The 250 was around for decades. Now it's moved up right. to the 300. It completely radically changed the right. style. I like it because it's weird looking and individual. I, I like weird and individual bikes, but it definitely is weird. Um, they've managed to capture that same kind of weird styling 
with a kind of the higher tank um, into the 1100 and to make um, a bike for people to then grow into. Well, and that's the whole point of the design, Liza, because it's branding. Now, we talked about this in a previous podcast, and I'll bring you up to speed, Rick, that for a long time, Yamaha didn't call its cruisers Yamahas. They created their own brand called Stars, and it was a Mm -hmm. Star Virago or a Star Bolt. And they've recently gone back to Yamaha, but for about a 10, 15-year period, it was a star. And that was the um, the branding. Well, and they even had the Star Riding Club, and you'd have a patch right. and everything. E- exactly. <clears throat> Honda, to a certain extent, did exactly the same with the shadows, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and if you saw a shadow, you had to look really hard for them for, to see that it said Honda. And what they've done this time is they've created the Rebel brand. Mm-hmm. From going from one 250 twin-cylinder motorcycle, now they've done the Rebel brand. And it's like a lifetime brand. You can start off with the two fifty, uh, the 300, and then you want a bit more power, you go to the 500, and then you top it out with the 1100. So it's very clever. I mean, yeah. it's like, yeah. It almost transcends being a Honda. Rebel has become its own brand. You know, Toyota did it with the Prius. I mean, the Prius is more Prius than Toyota now. Sure, yeah. It's its own thing with its own sub-range of models. Um, Like Dodge Ram. Yeah, you know. So that's what Honda have done. Yeah, Dodge don't like... For a long time, Dodge didn't like calling their trucks Dodges. They preferred calling them Rams. Yeah. Oh, I, excuse me. I said that the Rebel was a 300. They, they still have the 300 and the 500, right? Yeah, 300, 500, okay, good. Yeah, just 1100. Um, I like that. So basically, a lot of the shadows have phased out. It looks like they still have the shadow arrow. Yes. Um. And interestingly enough, the CTX 700 NDCT is listed as a cruiser. I think it's because it has forward pegs, but yeah, it doesn't really look at. And then they have the Shadow Phantom and the Fury. They still have the Fury. Um, side side uh, bar. I want to know, Rick, what does the cruiser world think of the Honda Fury? The Fury? Um... Is it just a joke? No, well, you know, it depends too, because you've got you've got people that like Harleys, and then you got people that like motorcycles, right? So, let's forget about the people that like Harleys and are just going to be chasing names, and everything sucks because it's not a Harley. When you've got people that are actually riding and talking about what's on the road, you know, I haven't ran into a shitload of Furies out there. I'm trying to think. I'm I'm on the Honda site right now, kind of as you are. Like, yeah, I'm popping through the lines, and I'm like, I've definitely seen them around, no doubt. And I know when I was in the South, there was definitely a lot more of your metric cruisers going on, no doubt. But around here, I haven't happened to see many. But then again, too, I haven't really been looking. So the the Fury fascinated me because it came out about eight years too late when everyone was getting into the custom bike trend. Missed the boat with the big tires. Completely missed the boat because the Fury is is a Honda's version of a custom kind of chopper. 
Totally. Um, it came out at the end of the whole trend. Um, and the Shadow Arrow, is that the 750 or is that the 1100? I'm trying to see. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think, I think it's interesting. I think that, yeah, you're right, Emma, that Rebel brand. Cause here's the thing. A lot of people, um, start out on a Rebel and then they jump to a Harley. That's right, so you keep them in house. Exactly, keep them in house. They like the rebel. Oh, I just wish it had a bit more power. A bit, it was a bit, you know, it had a bit it's more smart. menacing presence on the road. So now make them a big rebel, and they'll yeah. stick with it. Well, if you, look, I mean, the, to me, looking at the Fury, it looks a little big. That looks like a little bit of a jump coming from a rebel platform into something like that. You know, and why so, do they? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Do, do they have a price on it? Uh, yes, it is, uh, the Rebel 1100, uh, base price, 9,300. Cheap! Man, for a light leader bike, you know. So it's under, under 10. Um, the Arrow's coming in at 7,700, so I'm guessing that that is still the 750. They had that whole line of the, the 750s, um, so I think that Arrow is the last one left, but, um, I mean, really... When you're talking about metric bikes, um, it was the Shadow, which isn't anymore, and then the the Starline, the V Star 1100, which is now what? Or the, is it the Raider, something like that? Yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. I think that uh, this is smart, um, but yeah, I, you know, Rick, you have to be honest, honest answers now. Yeah, I do. In the Harley world, how yeah. are these metric cruisers? Uh, perceived um, are they just wannabes it's an uphill battle for them yeah you know it's it's an uphill battle for an american v-twin brand like india it's an uphill battle for anyone that does not have an h and a d on the side of their motorcycle in that world which sucks because there are so many other capable bikes out there uh, lord it's ridiculous but, you know, to me, when I see the, the Rebel, it totally made sense when you were saying that, like, what do you go on after your Rebel, yeah. right? Like, it, working for Harley for years all over the country in different places, I can tell you that one of the number one few bikes we'd see traded in all day were, if it wasn't the Sportster, someone got sold, told that was the best first bike they should have ever bought. Right. It was a Rebel, you know? And, I mean, what does that create, too? It's like, you know, and then they're going into a Harley shop. They're probably not going to talk so great about that bike they were having fun on. Now they want another one. You know what I mean? They're going to discredit it and throw them into something different. It's cool, I think, that Honda's diversifying the brand, you know, and letting them stay in something they're familiar with, too. I think that's kind of important. <laughs> you know, here's my high beam switch. Here's my horn. Here's stuff like that. I wonder if this is going to compete with the Bolt. You know, when the Bolt came out, I liked yeah. that concept, the oh. Yamaha Bolt, that it was an easily convertible bike with a lot of options. Yeah. And you can make it whatever you wanted it to be. Um, and I, I'm wondering if this uh, 1100 is going to fit that. Here's the thing that I like. What I think is really smart in a company like BMW. They only make so many engines, but they make a whole lot of bikes that fit those engines, right? Yeah. You don't have to have a ton of engines. I love seeing when companies will reuse an engine in something else, you know. Um, a proven drivetrain. Yeah, Emma, like, um, oh, like uh, 
the uh, the V four version of Jim's bike, or the the is it V four? So Jim, your flat tracker is a oh, oh, Ascot FT five hundred. Yeah, single cylinder. No, the VT. So the VT five hundred. Right. Wasn't that the engine in the um, the sport bike? Was that the oh, interceptor kind. back then? No, um, no. The VT five hundred Ascot was a twin. Yes. Mm-hmm. Never a V four. I bet I meant VT, um, but. When you see completely different bikes that use the same right. motor, but I always think the, that's well, cool. Let's talk about that engine yeah. and the genesis for that engine. So it was what Honda called the pent roof combustion chamber. Um, little heron-headed engine. You know, the combustion chambers were in the shape of a heron. Three-valve engine. Um, yeah. Two intake valve. There you go. Two intake valves, one exhaust valve. And the genesis was the 500 Ascot, the VT 500 V-Twin, and there was a, a, a normally styled counterpart in England, which name escapes me right now, but that was 82. That engine you can still buy now, after nearly 40 years, virtually unchanged. It formed the basis for... All the cruisers, all the V-twin cruisers, the original Africa twin, the um, Transalp, various sport bikes, um, including the Revere, which we never had in uh, um, America, the Hawk, which we had in America, just a ton of sport bikes, cruiser bikes, adventure bikes, standard bikes, all with this same basic engine Mm -hmm. that went all the way back to that and that was honda marketing at its finest and you know they made it up to like in some cases 900 cc shrunk it down changed this but it was essentially the same engine it's a brilliant piece of engineering so i'm glad you brought up the uh the vt 500 ascot yeah, I'm, there's a lot of bikes out there that I'm always like surprised when I find out, oh, that's also in, or, you know, like the, um, isn't the SV650 the same engine right. as the, the, the V-Strom? The V-Strom, exactly. Yeah. Completely different bikes. But you talk about clever marketing. I mm-hmm. mean, Harley have got it made. Yeah. Because Harley basically make, give or take, two products. Pretty much. And they market it so differently, and people get so proud of their derivative they have. Mm -hmm. It's like I've got a switchback. Limited, you know. Yes. (laughs) Or, you know, I ride a switchback or this and this. But it's the same basic product, just dressed up slightly differently. Yeah, the switchback just has the wrong front end on it from a much bigger motorcycle and shrunk down hard bags in the back. It's neither what you wanted one way or the other. It's the awkward little bastard in the middle. Right. I love it. (laughs) Right. But But. that's masterful marketing is making a lot of bikes out of very few. Um, Yeah. So, you know, and and when I think about it, I think the reason that I like that is like, oh, I know this bike. I know how it responds. So I feel I'll know that bike as well. 
you know? Like, you right. know what to expect. It gives me Comfort more, level. like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, my prediction is the, the 1100 Rebel is going to do very, very well. It's going to do well out of the box because it's, it's an interesting looking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to get, like, the Mad Max crew involved in it. You're going to get people who wouldn't normally buy a cruiser. You'd be surprised how many people aren't that big a fan of V-twin engines. Sure. Um I was going to say how many people maybe got the Sportster and went, hell, that's not right. Yeah, exactly. So they'll try the Rebel because it's a vertical twin. And, you know, Honda build quality, blah, 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 blah. But then a huge proportion of the customer base are going to be people who are getting off 300 or 500 Rebels and are just sticking with that platform because they know what to expect. It's just going to be a lot more of it. Do you think we'll see the DCT version of it? Yes, I think it's a perfect platform for the DCT. Because, yeah, I mean, they have the CTX700N DCT, which really isn't a cruiser. But, um, yeah, that'll be cool to see the, see the DCT come out more. Well, cool. You so know, ch- check it out. Check out the Rebel 1100. Tell us what you think. Um, I think it's time to get to some emails, unless any oh, of you cool. all had something you wanted to share. Now's your chance. It's open well, mic actually, time. I, I did want to share one more thing. Yeah, what is that it? I thought of that you need for a shop. Oh, okay. A scooter? Uh, well, scooters are always nice. An old I, truck? I, oh, a cat. Good one. Well, cats are always good. I would never object to either of those. But one thing that nobody has thought of, nobody has mentioned tonight, is essential for a shop is... Uh, the urinal! A urinal. <laughs> Ooh, oh, aren't you jealous, that? Rick? Oh, I've always wanted a prison urinal with the sink in the top. Oh, Man, that's just not a not a funnel stuffed into the hole, is it? That's a whole real urinal. That is the whole thing. Wow, And you know, um, changing the subject from urinals, not to diminish yours, but you know, the shop cat has a very very long tradition back in england oh yeah a lot of and america a lot of the dealerships were the earliest motorcycle dealerships were born out of the old carriage houses from oh yeah you know victorian times Mm -hmm. so the building you set your brand new motorcycle dealership up in may have been 50 100 years old already and generally, mm-hmm. rats are always a problem in older wooden frame buildings, always. So yep. the simplest thing, you want to get rid of rats, you just get yourself some nasty asshole tomcat and all the rats leave home. Yeah, and I'm generally, yeah, all the shops I used to go to as a, as a youngster back in England, especially all the British bike shops, there'd always be some big, fat, old, lazy tomcat lying on the counter in the sun and generally they were mean as hell what, what was it boris or was it miss muffin <laughs> i recall a couple of surly cats of your own that definitely perpetuate that yes well no i seem to attract surly cats you know and i don't train them that way but i, I mean the thing we is just like you well you know i understand that when you have a cat you know, you, you're really introducing a wild animal into your house. 
Yeah. And there's no point in trying to get them to do anything other than be a miniature version of a wild animal. So I pretty much let them roam the house at their will. And yeah. some turn out very, very sweet and some turn out mean <laughs> as hell. <laughs> but I love them all. So, you know, you bring up a good point. With, uh, you know, if you can't have a shop cat, um, rodents is a terrible thing to have. It's a huge a, problem. It is. Because all of a sudden, your bike will be worth $300. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I actually um, saw a really cool new product in an Ace Hardware store recently. I don't remember the brand name, unfortunately, but it was a better mousetrap. But um, let me explain. The thing that is horrible about all the solutions now is you got poison, which... Yeah. You can end up having a rodent die in your walls um, and also be eaten by other your cats or wildlife that then get poisoned. So poisons are horrible. And yeah. a lot of the other traps, it uh, injures or maims them, not kills them. And it's and you have to deal with the, the carcasses and they're pretty they're, they're pretty horrible. And then you got some better ones like the rat zapper which electrocutes it, but the batteries die pretty often. And a lot of people I see just never check their batteries. And um, there's a new type that I saw, and I'm going to try and explain this. Um, it actually uses a percussive bolt to the head. Like the No Country for Old Men rat killer? Uh, yeah. <laughs> when you think about, I guess, the most humane way to quickly yeah. put an animal down, right? I think I've seen this. So yeah. what it is, it's actually, it's a uh, a tube that gets mounted to a, like a wall down low in the corner or a tree or something. And it has bait up in the top of the tube. So they stick their head up into the tube, right? And off of the tube is a, um, is a bolt with a motion sensor. And it's powered by those little screw-on gas uh, canisters that you use on like BB guns and, and whippets, stuff like that, right? <laughs> right? Um, so it's powered by that. And when it senses something has moved in front of the sensor, it... And it, it concusses the head, and then yeah. the rodent falls down and is usually picked up by other wildlife, like raccoons or something, and removed. And it resets itself. Whoa. So it's reusable, a resettable, m the most humane thing I've seen. Can, um, can, you, can you give it the nitrous before the bolt comes out? <laughs> um so i thought you know as horrible as it is having to control your own population which by the way i've got rats in the garage out here i put one of my uh cameras up in the attic just so i can watch it and um when i saw that that new trap i'm like ooh, i might right. have to get yeah. and you know it is a very real problem yeah one of the first times i got down and dirty on one of the new africa twins we had this beautiful, um, the gray and silver one, mm -hmm. come in um, not for its first service. It had 300 miles on it, and it was a no start. And the guy, obviously, was rather upset about this because he had a brand new Honda Africa twin, 300 miles on it, and it would crank and crank and crank and crank and wouldn't start. Well, um, I pulled the tank off it, and... Much to my surprise, I found a mouse nest, and we called in the owner and said, well, look, there's your problem. 
and the mouse had chewed through all the fuel pump wiring, all the fuel injection wiring. It was a mess in there. And I had to rebuild the harness on it because Honda didn't even have any wiring harnesses. And it wouldn't have been covered under warranty anyway. Yeah. So um, I think I probably spent five hours on it, which cost him quite a pretty penny. But nothing... And I, nothing he could have done about it. And he was he was pretty stoic about it, but I think he invested in quite a few uh, rodent traps after that, probably the inhumane ones. Well, there you go. Add that to the list, uh, the better ra- mousetrap. Fair dues. Um, so I'm going to read some emails. Uh, I'll start with mine if you guys can get yours ready. I had this uh, really cool com- one come in, and this is Mark from uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And he says, 22 years ago, when he was 28, he says, I sold the 1982 Yamaha Seika 650 I purchased with my high school graduation money. Oh, I love those things. I had had a couple of dirt bikes before and a little two-stroke Suzuki GT185 twin street bike that got me to high school. And my dad and I found the Seika, so he took me to buy it. My mom wasn't pleased with us. Well, last year, I decided I needed to get back to riding by age 50 and started listening to your podcast. I love you guys. While researching bikes, I discovered that the choice to sell the old Seika was particularly bad because I only imported it that one year. This summer, I got really lucky and I found one in my price range, so I bought it. I was able to take the test for my permit with my daughter while she took the test for her driving permit the week before the DMV closed for COVID. Ooh, good, good on that. I signed up for an MSF course because I wasn't going to be that guy that thinks 20 years later he still got it. Totally learned stuff I wish I would have known before, like keeping my head head up. So I fully endorse that uh, all of us should take one. Well, today is the day, my 50th birthday on Thanksgiving, just like the day I was born in 1970, and I finally decided it's the day to send an email letting you know how important y'all misfits have been to my progression back into motorcycles. I listen to you while working on the bike, so it feels like I'm there with you wrenching together. Keep up the good work for now. You're pretty much my riding buddies because none of my friends ride. And he says, P.S., my up-the-butt bike would either be a Tenere 700 or a 94 BMW R100GS in Bumblebee black and white. If Miss Emma came with it to keep it reliable, that is. But, <laughs> but, but today I had a spark of inspiration that restoring an old Suzuki GT185 would be pretty fun. And he says, oh, yeah, a very affectionate, but not that affectionate. Fuck knock. Nah, just give him the love. So Aww. that is Thanks, so Mark. Cool. What a nice email. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Uh, sounds like some great projects, and I totally get it. It's it's the KZ400 is the same thing for me. It's a sentimental bike to get back to a bike that I had when I was younger, and it just uh, it also reminds me how far I've come as a rider too. So thank you. All right, Bagel, you got one there to read. Okay, you you may be muted. There you go. Sorry. Yep, I do have an email here. And uh, this is from uh, Alexei Zinger. Ooh. I don't know where Alexei is from, but I'm guessing because the uh, email is titled Speaking of Urals, he might be from Mother Russia. (laughs) Here we go. 
Speaking of urinals. Yeah. And a name like Alexi, I think you have a good shot. Yes, Alexei. He writes, hey, Miss Fitz, firstly, I wanted to say a big thank you for the work you continue to put into the podcast. (laughs) It's a source of technical knowledge, inspiration, and entertainment to many. I wanted to write in to comment about episode 394, which I just listened to yesterday. Yes, I'm playing catch up this week. Your guest, Mike S., deserves praise for having the courage to plunge into the motorcycling deep end of the pool, otherwise known as Ural ownership. (laughs) I fear he misrepresented the bike a bit, though. My wife and I bought our first sidecar, a 2007-2010 Ural gear up this past spring, and I must say it's been a very educational experience. The thing these bikes is, is the thing about these bikes is they are very quite rudimentary. Many recent models came with carbs and points. The chassis requires constant checking. When was the last time you got in your car and had to check that the left and right sides were firmly <laughs> attached before setting off? Spokes, tire pressures, and bearings always need attention. It's not a sophisticated bike, though. Though it's two-wheel drive system is really neat, but you must stay on top of things. Urals are hypersensitive to maintenance. Its horsepower and speed won't blow anyone's socks off, but the bike we own has no trouble flying up the hilly, twisty roads going to our house. (laughs) The other week, the bike felt really sluggish, barely able to get out of the shed. Mm. And after a bit of checking, I noticed the spark was weak. After throwing two freshly, fresh, properly gapped spark plugs, I was able to bring some logs up out of a muddy field for firewood. <clears throat> Mike was right in that these things make good tractors. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, our Vespa 150 is probably faster on an open road. <laughs> And the riding technique is completely different to anything on two wheels. But this is part of the fun. Liza often talks about exposing oneself to new experiences on motorcycles. And I would have to say that I'm very thankful for having this space (laughs) in our stable for this crazy rig. Yeah. Last winter, I managed to get myself through most of an engine (laughs) rebuild on a 1998 Honda RS-125 with some much-needed expert assistance at key points, perhaps the opposite end of the motorcycle scale from the sidecar. Yeah, that's a good-looking bike, too. I did not get it to race this summer, but I hope we'll take it out on on track in 2021. Riding a 125 GP bike is one of the purest and most dynamic motorcycling experiences I've had the pleasure to have known. My dream to set up a clay track near the house for some mini flat track is still alive. Okay, and Bagel? Yes. Because he has a lot to share with us. Let's just uh, condense the next paragraph. Okay. Um, All that is to say that for a rich motorcycle life, one needs time, space, and money, the kind of things you guys pump out to the digital airwaves every week. I wouldn't trade it for anything. 
<laughs> no, it's just as you know, Emma, he, he had some uh, great input for you and your shop, and he says a motorcycle maintenance 101. Oh, yes. Uh, that like, is, would be a great kind of class to have. All right. I, yep. And in closing. Good-o. And so I don't know that I have any useful feedback from Miss Emma. I think she's doing exactly the right thing. I would love to see Recycle Garage and Miss Emma's new undertaking in person someday. Perhaps this calls for another cross-country trip I should plan. Thank you all. Ride safe and be well. Alexei. Thanks very much. I'm very curious to see it's what cool. bike they would choose. I would almost rather take the the Vespa 150 than the Euro. That might be a better choice. <laughs> you know, yeah, but you can't pull like... logs up out of the river with it. Not big I, ones. I would That's like awesome. to congratulate Beigel. Uh, Beigel. I would like to congratulate Beigel on the authenticity of his accent. It was like being in Vladivostok, darling. Bolshaya <laughs> spasiba. Nice. All right. I thought, was, I thought it was Borat. Jim, do you have one ready to go? I do. Uh, let's see. Um, I'll pull it up here. I know you got to look at my face now. All right. Uh, this is from Matt Barlow. Hey, Matt. Hey there, Misfits. I know that name. Matt Barlow, yes. Uh, hey there, Misfits. I've listened to the recent news about Kawasaki making the new KLX 300 in a few flavors. And I've heard Liza go on about Yamaha dumping the WR250R on the Misfits podcast as well as with the NOCO Moto guys. Unlike Phil and the Cleveland Motards have gone on about it too. <laughs> so as a past owner of both the WR250F and the WR450F, I felt like the little kid that was left in the car while his parents went inside the store. I had to double check, but Yamaha is still making WR250F for 2021. It's a damn, sty- uh, damn fine e-start fuel-injected 250 with a headlight. Uh, and since we all like the picks, I'll throw in some picks of both bikes. I'll quit yelling, now, uh, quit yelling at my radio now. I've made my peace with Team Blue, and I'll goose a frob of my shit for, the, for a minute. Not sure what that is. <laughs> I love the show and all that you do for the whole damn motorcycle community. Keep putting out the great content. Cheers from Utah, Matt. And Thanks, he's got Matt. a couple of pictures of the bikes. I can't. They're great looking pictures though. And yeah, those WRs are awesome. Um, they are yeah, great, I think they're great bikes. Yeah, great. I think that four really are absolutely. Too. Yeah, you know. Um, yes, good old. Yeah, right. well, I mean, you know, adjustable suspension, more power. I like them. Yeah. And you were just in Utah. That's a great bike to have there. I was going to say Utah, man. Thumbs up. I, I, Utah just keeps giving. Anyway, don't get me started. <laughs> Eliza knows. Yeah, back in Utah for a while. It is right. gorgeous. Emma, I think we've got that. time for one more. You got one there? I certainly do. So this is from John Hillenbrand. Hello, John. Um, thanks, for, as always, for an entertaining and informative podcast. I recently bought two helmets, an HTC and a Bell. As everybody knows, if you drop a helmet, even if it rolls off a table, it should be discarded. Well, that's not entirely true. Mm-hmm. Common Wisdom says they're designed to absorb an impact only once, and a drop may damage them in ways you can't see. But as I unpack these helmets, I realize from their actions that the manufacturers don't really think so. Both helmets from two name brand manufacturers were shipped to me in thin cardboard boxes with no padding. (laughs) My showy and Kabuto boxes were also very thin and unpadded. Also true. 
If the people who make helmets actually believe that while not being worn, they could be damaged by the bumper a drop, they'd have put some styrofoam or other padding in the box before trusting them to the bump and drops of UPS and the other shippers. Mm. So I can't see evidence that helmet manufacturers believe in dropping helmets likely to damage it. I won't say anything harsh about Nock, even though, even now that he's recovered from his crash, other than, dude, ease up on the wheelies. <laughs> Sage advice from John. Um, see, we need to clear you know, this up because this is um, a longstanding rumor that if you drop it is your a helmet- longstanding rumor and. I'm not going to say I've got the last word on this. Let's just say it is the common sense. If your helmet falls off the table or even falls off the seat of your bike, it's going to be okay. There's a couple of reasons Mm -hmm. for that. Number one, the impact. And we're going to go back to... You know, uh, acceleration of a falling object, you know, X meters per second per second. It simply doesn't reach the terminal velocity to do terminal damage to it by falling off. You may take a big divot out of the clear coat. It may make a sickening crunch, but it is going to provide you with crash damage. The other thing is, of course, is your noggin isn't in it. So basically, it's an empty shell. It's going to sound a lot worse than it is. You know, we've all heard it. Your bike falls off your rearview mirror. It makes a sickening crunch. And you think, oh, my God. But what you're actually hearing is the resonance from inside the helmet because your head isn't in it. It's like a guitar chamber. So... If you have a crash in your helmet, chuck it away. Because believe me, now we're dealing with some serious Mm -hmm. velocity. You're dealing with the impact of your noggin hitting the pavement at maybe 40, 50 miles an hour. You've got some inertia going on there. Throw it away and buy a new one. So falling over, don't sweat it. If you do it habitually, change your technique. I was going to add to that because it's a something that we teach at the garage. Don't set your helmet on the seat, right? Because yeah, if it right. repeatedly falls, then you could possibly start to do some damage to it. Um, but right. another thing to keep in mind that the helmet is protecting you not just from the outside but from the inside. And it's – well, your head is moving – outwards in the helmet that foam is absorbing it that isn't damaged at all so um even though it is yeah it is a rumor that if you drop a helmet from your handlebars or something that it's no good yes and i've had that confirmed from people from helmet companies that's not true if it happens repeatedly it could be yeah and it's 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 really uh you know it's it's a risk calculation because if you do, if you drop a helmet just from you know three feet or whatever, depending on what it lands on, you know it could do some damage. If it lands on a big hard spiky rock, you know it could puncture the helmet even. You know, well, I mean, out. common sense must prevail, yeah. Sure. But, but you know, but the I guess that the the reason why the manufacturers say that I think is because number one, lawyers, yeah. Um, 
they want to avoid any possibility that they could be liable for something. And, you know, if by some freak chance, you know, a dropped helmet from three feet causes the shell to fracture, but in a way that you can't see, and then an accident that doesn't hold up like it's supposed to, you know, that's really the, the, the extreme possibility that they're trying to avoid. So there's, you know, they're very remote, you know, chances that something bad could happen from a from a, a, a shortfall of just the helmet by itself, but it's very unlikely. You know, It'll mess I'm, up your face shield. I'll tell you that. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. gonna make a couple <laughs> of. Um, I'm sticking my neck out here. I think John is in England, just from the way he's phrased things, and I think he's a little older as well, kind of our age. Which, if that is true. You know, the mantra was for a long, long time in England is if you drop your helmet, you've got to replace it. But, of course, we already talked, you know, tires weren't made that well back then. Neither were helmets. Helmets now are a lot better Mm -hmm. than they used to be. Back in the day, the polycarbonate they used for polycarb helmets was so poor you had to replace them every two years. A fiberglass helmet was a lifetime helmet or considered. A polycarbonate helmet, the polycarb would break down after a couple of years. Or if you painted it, it weakened it to such an extent you had to get a new helmet. So helmets now are a lot better than they used to be. They've spent gazillions of dollars on research about what works and what doesn't work. The materials are better. The build quality is better. If your helmet falls off your bike, not repeatedly, don't rush out and buy a new helmet. You're going to be fine. And if you do have a wreck and your helmet disintegrates and you die, you can come back and haunt me. There you go. In fact, you know, I'm, 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 uh, I'm really, I'm trying to, uh, make the call. I think I'm going to buy one of the Quinn ADV helmets. Well, you know, mm. those Quinns are tempting. They um, really are. It has all the things that I need. So for me, helmet needs to be modular and it needs to have the, the sun shield that comes down, which I didn't realize that Quinn helmets could do that because with all those sensors, I thought it'd be a problem. But the ADV helmet has that. And then it comes with the Bluetooth. I'm like, ooh, and it's so lightweight. It's tempting. I'm, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm looking at my budget right now, and I'm thinking I'm yeah. like buy myself a Christmas present. And I, I, I need a new helmet soon too, <laughs> dude. You can auto justify it. It's just like LEDs. It's just like brake upgrades. It's just like tires. You, you can auto justify. But I just bought a new helmet, so I actually have. Two. two helmets that I'm currently using, they're the exact same helmet in the same color. So I just pick up whichever one is closest. So it'll buy a third. I'm like, oh, I'm, yeah, but it's so smart. I think I'm going to do it. Um, So we'll see. We'll see. So you guys, next week, our first big guest law all right and, you know we've, we've had a, we've had a good year so you have know, really great guests um so if i'm i'm excited Ooh, and i can't wait to surprise you you're all so, gonna be surprised um, 
So, Ricky, what are, what are your thoughts about becoming a regular? I mean, you've done two shows now. I don't think we re- we've received a single complaint about your behavior yet. Thank so you. um, you're kind of one of us now, unless you decide otherwise. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Hell, I'm not scared. We'll, we'll, we'll get to <laughs> I, I am in the middle of the woods, so my internet does like to do really cool stuff like it did earlier. But um, huh. you know, we'll get, we'll overcome. And I love motorcycles. I selfishly I love Emma for all my own sick reasons. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, you know, I, moved, I moved to Texas a long time ago, and I left motorcycles. But I was working for Harley, and there was a little little misfit shaped hole in my heart, and the podcast fit right in there. Aww. It was a pretty bitch oh, wow. way to do a 45 minute commute. Yeah, it was awesome. And I was just stacking old episodes. I'm like, this is great. Yes, yes, it's Emma. Hell yeah. Give the bean. <laughs> I'm in Texas. No idea what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, that, no, that's that's just great, Rick. And like I say, we've got a very, very long history together. Yeah. And, you know, it's a perfect fit because Liza at, actually. Oh, wait, said, you leaving, no, Jim? No, yeah, well, I gotta have something to get rolling. I gotta can, before can, before Emma goes down the history hole here. I gotta split. Oh, I was about to sign out. So can you wait? Well, okay. Uh, so I don't know, Emma was settling in with, there. I know. Um, but I was just like, adios, muchachos. I will catch y'all next time. All right, see ya. Ciao, Jim. Great hangout, um, Rick. Peace. Have fun, man. You know, um, Liza said, "Look, we need to we need to cater to people who ride Harleys who listen to our podcast." And I've worked on Harleys, but I certainly no, no, don't no. That is not what I said. <laughs> yes, you did. I don't know. I said I need no, a Harley guy to bash. Okay. Well, I can't always so pick. I, I can't always pick so, on the scooter guy. I need the Harley so guy. So I found you one. I found yes, you one. exactly. A self-deprecating Harley hater. <laughs> 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 Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for joining us again, Rick. And um, for our listeners out there, just a reminder, once again, if you are in need of a Motorcycles and Misfits t-shirt, I still have a small selection of them. You can uh, get one for $25 shipped to you. Just send an an email or send a PayPal to RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. 25 bucks with the size and your address. I still have, I think... One small, one double XL, and then a little bit of everything in between. So um, Christmas is coming up. Just saying, what a great gift, Motorcycles and Misfits t-shirt. This is also the time again to say thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. I love you guys. You help out so much uh, with just keeping this place going and and, uh I keep buying, you know, new tools and stuff for the shop. Now, as we were talking, I started looking at, at better tire changers because I, I hate the tire changer. I want a better one. Uh, I might have to use some. I know, Bagel. You, I, that's exactly when you flash the camera on yours. That's when yep. I picked up my phone. I went, oh, I want a better one. K&L. So thank you to our Patreon subscribers and to all of our listeners for hanging in there. It's, uh, God, we're coming up on 400, you guys. It's kind of mind blowing to me. I know. Isn't it crazy? But, you know, we keep doing it because, well, 
besides the fact that we love motorcycles and love talking about them, but I love how many people out there can relate, how many misfits are out there and hearing these emails about people uh, being inspired to work on their bikes or try new things like your alls. I love that. So keep it up. And if you want to send an email to us and share your experience, send it to RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. And hopefully um, we may even read it on the air. Though to those who we don't have the um, the time to read everyone on the air, just know that we do read them and uh, I appreciate it. So I think... And, yeah. and for all of you that have written in with suggestions for my shop, thank you. Yes. I'm taking it all on board. I mean, this shop, if I do it right, and God, I'm trying to do it right, is going to be as much a gift for the motorcycling community as a whole as it is for me. I want it to be for everyone. It's not for me to make a fortune. All I need to do is provide enough that it'll keep me in shoes and gin for the rest, <laughs> for a few years. But I really want to create something for the motorcycling community as a whole. So thank you all for your input. There's going to be a little piece of every one of you in the shop. Awesome. Excellent. All right. Now you guys remember, Emma, pay attention. I'm paying attention. Now we're going to go in numerical order by age. Oh. Oh, yeah. I'm changing it up. This will be fun. <laughs> oh, Rick has no idea how old everyone is. Oh, this will be fun. Youngest, okay. Youngest first. Here we go. Youngest first. Signing out. Thank you, everyone. This is Liza. No, you can't go first, Liza. I'm the one who starts it. Now you guys have to figure <laughs> oh, it out. Oh, you're kicking it to the youngest one uh, now? Sure. Youngest. Okay. Uh, well, uh, you know what, guys? Uh, thank you, everybody. Have a great night. This is Rick. Bagel. <laughs> and this is Emma. And we are out of here. Cool, cool. 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 Yeah, I think we did it.